and memories of Father Anthony since he knew him many years and, and very well. So we're very grateful that he's willing to offer these words at this time. Christ is risen. Christos Anesti. <clears throat> the honor of being asked today to share some reflections and thoughts at the memorial of Father Anthony Cunaras, which I do on behalf of our Milka Brotherhood and in my status as a Milka President Emeritus. This honor sobers me, for here I now stand as a senior priest asked to speak at the memorial of Father Anthony, who when I first came as a newly ordained priest in Minneapolis in 1988, that was 33 years ago, Father Anthony was senior priest to just about all of us. All of us in Mioka held Father Anthony in high regard. The honor given me to offer tribute to Father Anthony this morning also, however, allows me to give expression to the affection that we felt for Father Anthony. I can still see Father Anthony in his front office at the Light and Life warehouse, rising to greet me warmly as I came into the front door to browse the shelves, yeah, just doing the sermon recording so we can, and always um, coming out with an armful of books that I had no intention of buying when I went in. And he would share with me most of the time something he had found particularly striking from something he had read or had been reading. His kindness toward me throughout the years endeared him even more to me. But I cannot remember Father Anthony without seeing him surrounded by the faces of many wonderful people, some of whom are here this morning. A number of them have passed on. All of them are older now. I guess I should say all of us are older now. Father Anthony was an unpretentious man, an unassuming man. Yet he touched many lives. He was an institution. He and his publishing company, Light and Life, put Minneapolis on the map of orthodoxy in America. When Father John Meindorf called me into his office at St. Vladimir Seminary in New York, that's where I was attending, in early March of 1988, to tell me that I was being ordained and then shipped to Minneapolis. This, by the way, was the first time I had ever heard or been notified that I was going to be ordained. I had no intention, no desire to be ordained until Father Meindorf called me into his office that day. He told me I was going to be shipped to Minneapolis after the ordination and serve as an assistant priest at St. Mary's Cathedral. My second thought was, oh, that's where Father Anthony Cunaras is. My first thought, of course, was, oh, that's where Mary Tyler Moore made it after all. <laughs> Nancy and I, my wife, with our two oldest, Sean and Christina, had been received into the Orthodox Church at 12 Apostles Orthodox, in Saddlebrook, New Jersey, that was an OCA parish, only five years earlier, in 1983. By the time Father Meindorf called me into his office that day in early March of 1988, Mark had been added to our family. 
and Nancy and I were anxious to shape our children in the culture of the Orthodox Church, which, as you know, is not an easy task in America. In the St. Vladimir's bookstore one day, I had come upon a book authored by Father Anthony, whom I had never heard of before that moment. The book's title was, how many of you remember it? Making God Real in the Orthodox Christian Home. I liked what I saw, and so I grabbed the book. My wife and I implemented many of Father Anthony's ideas in our home. And in fact, I have implemented some of them in my own parish. And so I was introduced to Father Anthony Gunyar. Once we were in Minneapolis, Nancy and I and our children were soon welcomed into a smallish group of Orthodox faithful, both from the cathedral, St. Mary's Cathedral in Northeast, and from St. Mary's Greek. Those from St. Mary's Greek, of course, had all grown up under Father Anthony, or they had been catechized and received into the church by him. I want to dwell for a moment in particular on the character of the faithful from St. Mary's Greek in this group, because they reflected, I believe, the character of St. Mary's Greek parishioners in general. It's one of the colors that I want to put on my palette this morning from which I intend to draw a portrait of Father Anthony. Perhaps because memories are no longer clouded by the distractions of the present, one is able to see in the past things one could not see when one was in the present moment. As I look back now, I'm struck for the first time by what I saw, but think, didn't think much about then. These faithful from St. Mary's Greek were a mix of ethnic Greeks and American converts. They were proud of their Greek heritage, but they did not come off as ethnic Greeks any more than Nancy and I came off as the Northern European mix that we are. Beyond our different ethnic backgrounds, we were all in this group simply Americans who were Orthodox. Our friendship was cemented not by ethnic heritage, which we did not share, but by our Orthodox faith, which we did share. Moreover, the faithful from St. Mary's Greek were well-read in the theology of the church, and they were well-versed in the scriptures. I mean, these Greeks knew and loved their Greek heritage and tradition but they knew just as well, if not better, their Greek Orthodox faith. I look back now and I ask myself, how did these Greek faithful from St. Mary's Greek come to this Catholic understanding of their Greek Orthodox faith? You understand Catholic is a Greek word. It means the part is in the whole, the whole is in the part. The Eucharist is Catholic because each particle, in each particle, the whole mystery of Christ is present. And when you take that one particle, you partake of the whole mystery of Christ. So I wondered how these Greeks came to this Catholic understanding of their Greek Orthodox faith. Who had taught them 
this is the color I'm setting on my palette. It was, of course, Father Anthony in his preaching and teaching and writing. Another color. When I go back to those early days when Nancy and I were new to the Twin Cities, another set of faces surrounds Father Anthony in my remembrance of him. All of them we have sent to the heavenly church on high. How many of you can remember these names? Father John Curry, Archimandrite Jerome Neville, Father Perry Parasco, Father Michael Kurnovich, most recently Father Vladimir Lekel. These were the fathers who were the Mioka Brotherhood in those days. I look back now at those early days and the words of Genesis come to my mind. Not in the beginning. I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about these words. There were giants in those days, men of renown. To see this color that I'm now placing on my palette, I ask you to note again the ethnic heritage of these fathers. Syrian or Antiochian, American, Slavic, Greek, Ukrainian. What you see in Mioka today, and have always seen since I've been here, is a fraternity, a brotherhood of Orthodox priests from all Orthodox jurisdictions. They were all proud of their ethnic heritage, but they each one lived more deeply in the church's baptismal form. And they embraced each other with joy and love as brothers in Christ's holy Orthodox Church. The ethnic background of each brother, far from being discarded, simply added texture to the brotherhood's rich colors as an association of Eastern Orthodox clergy in Minnesota. You catch that, Minnesota? Took me 33 years to get that down. The color I'm placing on the palette now is the fraternal affection that has marked Mioka from the beginning. And I believe that fraternal affection can be traced back to Father Anthony and his fellow giants who had established Mioka. It's what Father Anthony and his brothers handed on to us younger priests coming into the Twin Cities area. We came into a brotherhood of Orthodox clergy from all, from all jurisdictions, who, as I like to say repeatedly, and you've heard me say this a number of times, we actually liked each other, and we enjoyed being with one another. The regard and love that the Mioka clergy have felt for each other from the early days, of course, has spread to the faithful. This is why you see us in Mioka land functioning in so many ways as though we were one Orthodox jurisdiction. This love and respect the faithful have for each other, in which we transcend our jurisdictional boundaries, I believe, must be attributed directly to Father Anthony and to the Orthodox priests of his generation, the giants of those days. When I was president of Mioka, I liked to joke that if the president of the United States wanted to meet all the Orthodox clergy here, he would not call a bishop, he'd call the president of Mioka. 
And we have an archbishop here, so maybe I should hasten to repeat, I was joking. And of course, we do more than function as one jurisdiction here in Mioko land. In the space of a month and a few odd days from now, our youngest, child number five, will put on some Chanel number five and marry a certain young man from a local Antiochian Orthodox Barry. My daughter and her fiancé, like many other, like how many other married couples in our Mioka parishes, kept running into each other every summer at the Mioka summer camp and at the various Mioka youth functions throughout the year until they discovered that they liked running together side by side. Brother Anthony and all these Mioka fathers that we've sent to the heavenly church on high were very dear fathers to me. They treated us young newly ordained priests regardless of our jurisdiction or ethnic heritage or background with the kindness and affection of a father for his sons, even as they showed us all the respect of a peer. Putting these remembrances together, I have discovered that my memories of Father Anthony and these dear fathers are not wispy images floating and changing like clouds in the winds of my mind. Brother Anthony and his brothers, my dear fathers, imprinted in my soul the indelible shape of unseen footprints, following Psalm 77, verse 19. You may say that the footprints are empty, if you mean that they are empty like the Lord's tomb. These footprints are stamped into my soul. They have become part of the shape of my soul. And they are filled with memories that have very much the feeling of someone who is not of the dead, but of the living. There is a spirit that is very much alive in these unseen footprints left behind by Father Anthony and his dear brothers, my dear fathers in Christ. And they bring to the surface the feelings of affection and gratitude that I have for them. One does not feel affection or gratitude for someone who isn't there. I'm remembered, reminded of Father Maximus Constus' description of the icon as a mirror that reflects visibly what's actually there, invisibly. These footprints are like the frame of a mirror, an icon. And the affection that one feels, that I feel when looking into the frame I believe is, reflect, is reflecting a spirit that's there and very much alive. So these are the colors on my palette, a few of them. Let me now set out to draw the portrait of Father Anthony that I promised. <clears throat> Our Lord says, each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Based on this, even though I would not presume to say that I knew Father Anthony well, I think nonetheless we have plenty of fruits Father Anthony left behind 
to discern what kind of tree Brother Anthony was. Let's mix our metaphors and say that in all the leaves that Father Anthony let fall to the ground, like so many seeds that bear fruit when they, when they die, we can discern what was near and dear to Father Anthony, from which I believe we can draw a fairly accurate portrait of his heart. And I'm thinking the outline of that portrait is already given in that book of his that I stumbled upon in the bookstore of St. Vladimir's. What we see, I think, is a tree who was passionate about doing everything he could as a priest of Christ's Holy Orthodox Church to help Orthodox faithful make God real in their home. Brother Anthony was a Greek Orthodox priest. Here is where I begin to infer from things that I have seen in my now 38 years of experience in the world of Orthodoxy against that sky that I read the tree leaves left behind by Father Anthony to discern the tree that they fell from. Father Anthony was Greek. From what I've observed in all Greeks, I say with confidence that Father Anthony was proud of his Greek heritage. But who of us non-Greeks cannot understand that? I mean, to be honest, I, for example, am very proud of the fact that I'm a Texan. We're in Texas. And I believe that what Father Anthony was passionate about as a Greek Orthodox priest was to open the eyes, especially of his Greek Orthodox parishioners, to the rich beauty of their Greek Orthodox faith, her theology, the theology of the church, the sacramental and liturgical worship, and the culture-enriching and culture-deifying tradition of the Greek Orthodox Church. But he recognized that his Greek Orthodox parishioners had become enculturated into American culture, and he wanted them to see and to fall in love with their Greek Orthodox faith so that they would not be lost to it in the false perception that the Greek Orthodox Church in America is nothing but an antiquated, irrelevant ethnic ghetto. So if I'm reading the tree leaves aright, then Father Anthony loved his Greek Orthodox faith not because it was Greek, but because it was true. It was a Greek incarnation of divine beauty. That was not an epiphany, that was an epiphany not only of the Greek genius, but also of the human soul's capacity for God. And it was this beauty that Father Anthony labored to proclaim in his sermons, in his teaching, and in his writing. And you'll notice that all of his writings were in English, the language that all of his Greek American parishioners knew. But of course, the beauty of the Greek Orthodox faith is the beauty of the Russian Orthodox faith, the Serbian, the Romanian, the Antiochian, the Ukrainian, the Bulgarian, the Georgian. And so in working to the end of his days to set the beauty of the Greek Orthodox faith before his Greek American parishioners, 
he was also setting forth the one divine beauty incarnate that is incarnate in all the ethnic expressions of Orthodoxy. And so he was preaching and teaching to all Orthodox Christians. And not only to them, but also to the many faithful American Christians who were languishing as in the desert outside the Church of the Bible, seeking the wisdom of God, not as a religious feeling or a belief, but as a concrete reality embodied somehow, somewhere in this world until they found it in the Orthodox Church. I believe we see this above all in this period that Father Anthony served so faithfully for so many years. As I noted already, the parishioners of St. Mary's Greek know the Orthodox faith, not as Greek Orthodox, but as Orthodox. They know the Bible because of all the Bible studies that Father Anthony started and taught and that continue even to this day. Here at St. Mary's, one finds Greek-Americans and American converts who speak and relate to one another as Orthodox brothers and sisters, fellow Americans, on the one foundation of the Orthodox faith. Through the ministry of Father Anthony, they all have found the true faith. They all have seen the true light. They all have received the Heavenly Spirit, worshiping the Holy Trinity. I would hold up the faithful of St. Mary's Greek as the crown of Father Anthony's legacy that reveals what kind of tree he was. He was a missionary in America, working hard with other leading Orthodox theologians and pastors in his day, repeat preaching, teaching, and publishing to evangelize the Orthodox, to raise them out of their ethnic clubs, to become faithful and transformed Orthodox Christians who bear witness to the all-encompassing beauty of orthodoxy. So an important part of Father Anthony's legacy, surely, is to be found in all the converts who are coming home, never increasing numbers, not just to St. Mary's Greek, but to orthodox parishes of all ethnic jurisdictions throughout America. The tree that this brings into view, <clears throat> in my mind at least, is that of a man whose soul was infused with a love for Christ and his holy Orthodox Church. One looks at Father Anthony's hundreds of thousands of books. They're all in English. One looks at the topics that Father Anthony wrote on. Even when he was addressing deep theological topics, he wrote in a manner that was accessible to everyone. This was true of his sermons as well. And he was always writing. Unless he was reading, as Dan Christopoulos once shared with us. Why? I think immediately of the Akathist hymn to the Theotokos and of that verse that says, to describe her wonders and her beauty renders even the most eloquent orators mute as fish. 
It's possible, I suppose, but it's hard for me to imagine Father Anthony reading, for example, Calvin and Hobbes, unless he was looking for a line that he could use to make some divine truth accessible. What this color adds to our portrait shows a man, a tree, who is in love with divine beauty and who did not want to give his time to anything that would draw him away from a vision of that divine beauty. This makes me wonder if the vision of the beauty of Christ and his Holy Mother is what drove him always to be writing and reading. I can see him shaking his head after finishing another book, whether he had read it or after finishing another book that he had written, because he felt he still had not captured the beauty of God he could see in his mind and feel in his soul however eloquent his rhetoric may have been. And I can see him already thinking about his next book, hoping that maybe in that book he might capture that divine beauty that was always before him. So he was like that wise man in, of Scripture, always bringing out from the storehouse of his love for his Greek Orthodox faith another treasure that he wanted to share with whomever would receive it. The heart is deep beyond all things, writes the prophet Jeremiah in the Greek. And it is the man. In this portrait of Father Anthony that I've drawn from the colors on my palette, I believe we see a man whose heart, whose invisible identity deep beyond all things, was wholly devoted to the beauty of the God-man, Jesus Christ. I believe this was the real Father Anthony. And even we who may not have known him well can see if we but read the tree leaves and look at the fruits of his pastoral ministry. May God deify him and have mercy on him and on us. And number him among the just, for as much as he is a good God who loves mankind. May his memory be eternal. Amen. Amen. Christos Anesti. Christos Anesti. Thank you, Father Paul. Thank you very much. We're very blessed to have all of you here with us on this Saturday as we memorialize Father Anthony today and tomorrow, of course, with His Eminence, Metropolitan Nathaniel, who's with us. Uh, Archdeacon Vasilios from Chicago is also here. And in, in addition to Father Paul visiting us today, it was Father Tim Sass 